0: Start your free trial by going to luminary.link/note to self, or download the luminary app for free.
1: Listener supported. WNYC Studios One of the best things that happened to me was the first time someone called me a quack.
0: If it quacks like a duck, is it a duck? Or is this just the future waddling into sight? It's Note to Self, the tech show about being human. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Today, going to extremes in the name of optimizing your mind, your body, your life. It's a conversation with Dave Asprey, a Silicon Valley entrepreneur who wants you to start your day with buttered coffee or bulletproof coffee, as he calls it. Maybe you've heard of it. Maybe you've heard of him
1: every time your brain does something you don't want to do, you tell it shut up and eventually gets out of its own way and you're like, okay, hold on, like, like, you know, stuff's happening. I don't have arms right now.
0: That was a clip from his podcast, The Bulletproof Executive, which is part of his bulletproof empire. There's the coffee, the book, the diet, the blog. Its tagline? A state of high performance. But what makes him different than any other health, fitness business guru out there? Well, he's got a twist of Silicon Valley in him. In fact, he runs something called the Silicon Valley Health Institute. He's a particular brand of guru who relies on data and sees his body as something to be experimented with. Kind of like Tim Ferris. Maybe you know him. He's been known to weigh his own feces. Or Josh Witten, who donates blood as often as the Red Cross will let him to keep his ferritin levels down. If you aren't familiar with these guys, I'm guessing you think this sounds kind of ridiculous. Self-centered biohackers who should get a life, right? Yeah, but if you've ever listened to this show, you know I love me some self-experimentation. Because I do want to live my best and longest life possible. Because I like feeling good and sharp in body and mind. And yes, because maybe I am part robot. Frankly, really though, Not a lot of women weigh in on what these guys talk about, so...
1: About half of us process light differently than others... And fluorescent lights give me a headache and make me tired after a while. When I wear this, when I met tint, Dave,
0: he had on custom tinted yellow glasses to optimally filter light for his brain to function at its very best. It's
1: the best, and it gives me so much energy; it's amazing.
0: Here is my interview with Dave Asprey, the overweight computer guy who used data to turn himself into the techie health entrepreneur that he
1: is today. I was 300 pounds, and I started doing everything possible to hack that and started tracking data and just noticing things. And I've spent hundreds of thousands of dollars hacking my own health because nothing else matters when you don't have your health. But what I learned after I fixed my health was, screw that noise. Who wants to be healthy? What we really, really want is we all want to feel amazing and have, like, boundless energy and just be able to bring it all day every day, and almost no one has that, and that's how we're supposed to feel. My career (laughs) up to date until I became the Bulletproof executive was in Silicon Valley. I literally was a computer hacker. And the body is a system. And the food that goes into your body is created by a system. And when you apply systems thinking to what's usually thought of as like a meat robot, you get different results and you have more control. And that's what hackers do. They take control of things they're not supposed to control. And that's what I'm doing with my biology.
0: But to be clear, you don't have a medical degree. And there are a lot of doctors out there who would say, you know, you don't need to like look at this much data. It's pretty simple. You eat healthy. You take. You exercise.
1: <laughs> I'm an unlicensed biohacker, and one of the best things that that happened to me was the first time someone called me a quack. I'm like, do you realize you just called me a doctor? Like, thank you. I'm so honored.
0: <laughs> what is the difference between quantified self, which is you know I, I have a fitness tracker on my phone. I know mm-hmm. how many miles I ran this morning. I know how many calories I'm eating. Blah blah blah, and. Biohacking, which to oh. me means like, you know, prosthetics or truly changing the structure of something in your body.
1: It, it's a bit nuanced. Quantify self is about getting the data. And then looking at the data later to learn something about the human condition. At its broadest level, biohacking is changing the environment around you and inside you so you have control of your biology. Quantification is not controlling. It's the first step of controlling. If you want to have control, you need to know kind of where you are. But Lewis and Clark didn't have a map. They went out and they did it. And that's what you can do with biohacking. So I might not know everything about heart rate variability, but I might know enough to be able to control that system in my body and see what happens. So can
0: you just explain what exactly you are measuring in your lab right now? What is the data that you're looking at? Well,
1: right now I do blood tests for the most part, and I do EEG. So I look at my brain waves, like can I increase the amplitude of my brain waves? And, you know, I do heart rate variability. This is a very simple measure, and I do sleep quality. I'm doing a telomere length right now to see what my oh. telomeres are. To basically, there's one of the many theories of aging are that you run out of telomeres in your cells. And I've been doing some stuff that allegedly lengthens them.
0: I mean, what's the goal? To live to?
1: The goal is to die when I want.
0: But we don't do – could we get to a point where we get to decide?
1: Ab- absolutely. I'm planning to hit at least 180 What? 180? I'm not saying that mildly. I'm not saying that as a crazy person. If you look at where we were 25 years ago from technology, we didn't have cloud computing. Like I was in the room when we made cloud computing. Look at where we are now. Look at my iPhone for God's sake. It has more computing power than took us to the moon by many times over.
0: Yeah, but the technology has changed. The human body, I mean, has kind of stayed. I mean, I still have a brain that reacts to loud noises like it used to when I would have been hunting, you know, gazelle on the plains, right? Would, Would
1: you like to train that effect down? Because we can.
0: I would love to do that. Are you kidding? When a car backfires, I freak out.
1: Well, so you are sympathetic dominant. In fact, if I walked you through some heart rate variability training with the stuff I use with my clients, we can turn down your sympathetic activation. What's going on here is your brain reacts, but you don't know you're in charge of how your brain reacts. You just haven't trained it well. Here's the deal. High performance is an altered state. It is by definition. If it was a normal state, it would be average performance. So if I use the electricity, if I use... Tibetan breathing exercises to trip my ass off, which you absolutely can do. It's called holotropic breathing, and it was invented to replace LSD for therapeutic uses by a guy called Stan Groff. It doesn't really matter. It's your brain. You can do what you want with it. And if you want to be a high performer, you will not be a normal performer. You will be an abnormal performer, and that's okay.
0: When you say high performer, let's can we define that? What is a high performer in your
1: book? What's awesome is that when you're human, you get to decide. You want to be a high-performance mom? That means that all day long you didn't yell at your kids even though they probably <laughs> deserved it because you had enough energy to take care of them, to pay attention, and to still take care of yourself. Okay, That's a high-performance parent. That's cool. You want to be a high-performance CEO? It's totally different. You want to be a high-performance NFL quarterback? It's totally different. You but
0: what's want- not okay, I think, is somebody like I want to be a high-performance cyclist and therefore I'm taking steroids and not following the legal rules for competition. I'm thinking of Lance Armstrong. How is that any different?
1: The only thing wrong that Lance Armstrong did is he didn't tell everyone he was doing it. As a matter of fact, from what I hear, he wasn't the only person in pro cycling doing this, not by a long shot. And here's what pisses me off about this. Do you know how much precious knowledge we would have as a species had Lance published what he was doing and all of the other people there? So I say if these athletes want to do experiments like that, they just need to publish the data. Why hide it? It's happening in almost every sport. Like, I want to know what they're doing. I want to know how it damaged them so we can avoid that happening in high school athletes who are also going to use poorly controlled substances because they think that's what's happening. If we could just have an adult conversation about this stuff and say, yes, it happens. So
0: you're saying this is just a natural part of
1: evolution. We are wired to self-evolve and to perform at our maximum level at whatever it is we decide to do. And
0: what about the health aspects of it? I mean, we have heard of things gone pretty wrong with people taking LSD. It's a reason why some of the people got off the uh, bus with Ken Kesey, right?
1: You know, I'm not saying that anything is harmless, right? In fact, if you were to look at Tylenol, the painkiller, and the number of liver damage deaths every yeah. year, you'd say that's far more harmful than LSD. Like, it's my body, it's my biochemistry, and if I want to grow tumors out of my eyeballs, it's my right to do that.
0: Okay, so choice is the key here.
1: Choice and freedom to experiment, because we're going to experiment anyway. We might as well know what we're doing.
0: Just to wrap up, if you had to, you know, very simply make some recommendations to people like me, working professionals, maybe their parents, mm-hmm. what are some things that you think we should be doing to quantify ourselves, maybe even biohack?
1: Well, one of the first things you can do is you can download something that tracks your sleep at night and you can run it on your phone. You need to have your phone in airplane mode and you should do that anyway It's really important that you're not kind of cook your brain with the emanations from your phone, the EMFs, because at least in my own data and in that of many others, it affects sleep quality. So you you want to get a good night's sleep. So put your phone in airplane mode, run one of these apps, and it'll do a couple things for you. One is it'll tell you how many times you tossed and turned and how well you slept last night. The second thing it'll do is it'll wake you up when you're already near the top of a sleep cycle. This is really cool. If you've ever been jolted awake in the middle of a dream or something, like, wow, what's oh, going on? Miserable. And you're just not right the whole day sometimes. Well, if your alarm senses when you're already almost awake and then it pings you, you never wake up with that stressful thing that happens unless it's because your kids landed on you, in which case it's a different <laughs> well, problem. Bets are off. Right. <laughs> Another thing to do is let's talk about how to end the day with that same device. So you can install software that will dim the lights and take away the blue spectrum from your screen, which is really important. You should also, in addition to that, you should have a scratch protector that blocks the most harmful forms of blue light. I've been using things to prevent this in my own life for like a dozen years. It, if you want to not get cancer, you should have fewer bright lights at night. Like, there's really good evidence. Melatonin helps you to not get cancer. And when you take away your natural melatonin because you're staring at a bright white screen that's turned all the way up on its brightness or because you're sitting under fluorescent and LED lights, it's just not okay.
0: Okay. Great. Last one. During, Last, during these high-powered okay. wakeful hours, it, tell me what to do with all my energy.
1: Eat fat first is one of the things you've got to do. and. So many people spend so much of their life dealing with cravings. In fact, when I was heavy, I didn't know the difference between being hungry and craving. Mm. That is because you're not eating the right food. So it doesn't have to be hard. It's not supposed to be a struggle. It comes from looking at the data, and it comes from controlling the environment around you until it's effortless. Like, life is supposed to be that way.
0: Okay. So just to take this one step further before we wrap up, let's say we all are optimizing ourselves, our bodies, to the fullest extent – What's going to happen when everybody looks around and wonders what to do with their time and their energy?
1: The first thing that happens when you have enough energy is you don't yell at your kids and you are nicer to the people around you because you have energy to help someone. So emotional regulation goes up first. And I believe when people have enough energy, they have the opportunity to have a lot more personal growth. You actually can become a better person when you have enough energy to become a better person. And then if we did that for everyone, we created a world where everyone was running at their optimum, it would be a really amazing world. And that's what I'm working to create.
0: Dave Asprey, this has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for coming in.
1: Thanks for having me on. This was great fun.
0: Yeehaw! tell me you don't want to live in that world where everyone is so nice to each other and looks amazing and feels great if you're new here this was the third of a little run of health hacking shows that we've had over the past month if you miss the one about what really happens when we all track every calorie or step or you miss the episode where I got stoned with a little gadget that you can buy on Amazon go back in your feed and then subscribe Stick around. Tell note to self your stories or questions or ideas or whatever. Actually, in fact, we have a particular question for an upcoming show that we are working on about death. Yes, it's going to be a really fun show. Do you have a story about how technology has changed or helped or gotten you to think differently or deal differently with death? Maybe you think technology can help you Postpone it, like Dave Asprey and other transhumanists, or maybe something less extreme. Tell us. Record a voice memo on your phone or write us an email and send it to note to selfradio at Wnyc.org, or you can always reach out on Facebook or Twitter. Whereofs. This episode was produced by Ariana Tobin and Amy Eason. Many thanks to Jenna Cagle and Seth Kelly for their loving care this week. Joe Plourd is Note to Self's mix master. Jen Poyant is the executive producer. Note to Self is a production of WNYC Studios. I'm Anoush Samarodi. Thank you so much for listening.
1: Gotta love Siri.
0: Does she do that well?
1: Totally perfect. She and I
0: do not have a good relationship.
1: I, I gave her an Australian accent just to keep things real. Siri, say something interesting.
0: That may be beyond my abilities at the moment.
1: Because she's down at the Barbie.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> so good. Uh.